Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and you know, I normally don't do post-fight shows, but Ronda Rousey just got knocked out, and I mean, I'm still reacting to it, so joining me today on this very special post-UFC 193 episode of Half the Battle is my man, UFC lightweight, James Vick. James, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Glad to be back. Of course, man. So, you know, obviously you were the first fighter I ever had on Half the Battle. Now I'm over uh, 20 episodes deep on iTunes, you know, moving my way up to the top and uh, very happy to have you back on the show because, I mean, dude, Ronda Rousey just got knocked out and I'm still, it's almost like I got knocked out. I'm still recovering from what happened. How do you take in what, uh, what occurred on Saturday night? The same feeling you're feeling now. That's how I felt when Anderson Silva got knocked out. And when Overeem came over and Bigfoot knocked him out, I was crushed. Same feeling. I know the feeling. Yeah, man. But um, I was surprised. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, I mean, I came from a boxing background. So, obviously, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of happy that Holly Holm won. But I, I didn't expect that. And nobody else really did. They can, you know, there's all these trolls out there saying, I told you so. And this, they, didn't t- they didn't tell me shit. They're so full of it. But I was, I was shocked. I was, I mean, obviously... If Ronda stands up, she's going to lose. But I was just shocked that Ronda couldn't get her down and couldn't keep her down. I, I was very shocked by that. Yeah, not only that, but I mean, Holly Holm actually took down Ronda. And Ronda had her in the armbar, but Holly expertly escaped it. Actually, Faraza Hobby, he put out a video detailing you know, how she avoided the judo throw, how she avoided the armbar. And it, it's brilliant work by you know Coach Winkle, John, Coach Craig Jackson. I mean, do you just give credit to them? Or is Ron, is uh, Holly Holm just that next level athlete? Um, uh, first of all, I seen that for us the hobby video. It was very good, actually. Yeah, all of his video breakdown videos are very good. He's a very good coach as well. Um, it's 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 a little bit of both. First of all, Holly Holm, I didn't realize it until that fight how athletic she really is. I mean, you're, you got let's be realistic. If you're talking about a 34 year old lady that's had a couple kids, I believe. And has a six pack and is just shredded and you know is just just in shape and but she's been boxing her whole life. Um, uh, she she definitely has a striker's body frame and everything, but she's super athletic and strong. You can tell, and it obviously was great coaching as well. Uh, so they they clearly had a great game planning because I mean they were literally ready for every single position. Like there wasn't one position she was in that she felt uncomfortable. Like you can clearly tell like leading up to the countdown show and and watching the stuff that they had been preparing for her for years. It wasn't just a six or eight week, 10 week camp. They, 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 it looked like they'd literally been preparing for Ronda Rousey for like four or five years now, ever since she came to MMA. Yeah. And some fighters, you know, they fight to the level of their competition and then other fighters, they rise to the occasion. And that's exactly what we saw with Holly Holm because when she took on, you know, Raquel Pennington and Marion Renault, yes, she did win those fights, but none of us were, uh, you know, calling for her to get that title shot. None of us thought she had a remote chance of beating Ronda Rousey. And then, like I just mentioned, she rose to the occasion on Saturday night. So can you talk about how, you know, maybe in some of your earlier fights, you fought to the level of your competition, but as you started to go up the ranks and, you know, you start fighting in the UFC, you rose to the occasion. Uh, for, for sure. Um, that, that happens. And also styles make fights as well. Um, I think that that plays a big factor in it that people realize as well. If you look at, um, I guess let's go back to talking about Holly and Ronda fight first. If you look at you look at those fights with um, Raquel Pennington and, and the other girl, 
those girls, when, 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 when Holly would come at them with the hands, they, they would move around and back up. Holly, in, Holly's a natural counterpuncher. She was a counterpuncher in her boxing career as well. So when, you, when you're a counterpuncher, oftentimes you don't feel comfortable taking the lead. So I'm a counterpuncher. And when you, when you, when you, when you're, when Raquel Pennington and them basically just stayed away and just tried to survive and they weren't in there to win, they were in there to survive. I mean, she, she did good. I'm not talking bad about her either. She did good, but, but she wasn't, she wasn't pressing around and she wasn't being aggressive, which is what a counterpuncher wants. Uh, the, uh, Joe Rogan made this point a while back about Nick Diaz and, um, uh, Anderson Silva, when Nick Diaz was, you normally he's a pressure fighter, but he was waiting back a little bit. And Joe Rogan was like, you know, Anderson doesn't feel comfortable taking the lead. He's a counterpuncher. So that's, in my opinion, that's why those girls were able to survive. That and, you know, her first fight, I believe she had octagon jitters. I, I do. I think, you know, this is kind of the same thing they talked about uh, happened with Hector Lombard. She, she had a lot of hype behind her. I believe she had octagon jitter, but I think a lot of it was she's a counterpuncher. She's not comfortable taking the lead. But Rhonda, on the other hand, just ran right at her and gave her what she wanted. And no matter how many times she was getting stuck with the straight left hand, she, she didn't, she didn't take a step backwards. She still just kept coming, which played right into a, a master counterpuncher's game plan. Yeah. Now a lot of people, like you mentioned, you know, they're so-called experts. They, uh, they criticize Rhonda's game plan, but I mean, if you've ever watched Rhonda fight before, she goes forward in all of her fights. It's not like she had a different game plan this time. It's just someone was finally prepared for it. So when people say stuff like, oh, you know, she needs to change up her strategy. I'm like, what exactly do you want her to do? I, I agree. Um, I think it's stupid. The P, and, and I don't understand. This is something I'm not quite understanding. Maybe you can, I guess, inform me. Why do? Why does everybody hate her coach so bad? Besides, besides the fact that you know, a couple of weeks ago, her mom publicly was bashing him. Be, but people were people were saying before that that she needs to leave him. Why? Why? Why do they think that? Well, I'm actually really glad you brought that up. And this is the example that people often use. They say shit like. Oh, you know, if you look at Edmund, he's he got fighters like Jessamine Duke and Shayna Baszler. And I'm like, look, if you took Jessamine Duke and Shayna Baszler and you sent them to Greg Jackson or you sent them to Master Hoffa, it's not like they're going to be world champions. So it's not Edmund's fault that those two aren't the best fighters in the world. It is what it is. But another thing that they fail to realize is that you can't you don't understand the bond between a student and his coach. Or her coach in this situation. And I know firsthand, you know, you got a really good bond with your coach, with the master. So, I mean, can you talk about how, you know, you could definitely go to a bigger gym. You could go to Greg Jackson. You could go to Master Hoffa. But you're not necessarily going to recreate that bond you have with your coach. I think, first off, a, a lot of it has to do when you spend time with someone enough, you, the trust, you become, you, you start trusting them. They know you, you know them. They believe in you more than anyone else believes in you. When you have someone you spend time with and you've trained hard underneath them and they, they see how hard you work, they see how, how strong your mind is. They know how to deal with you. They know how to, how to talk to you. You feel more comfortable with them. And, and people can say it's a cover thing, but also it's, it, it might be, you need a certain, certain type of coach works for a certain type of people. Um, an example is, when 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 Edmund when they when she went back to the corner after the first round, and Edmund's like, "You did a great job, champ." He's telling her that she won the round, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" You know, he shouldn't have said that. Now, from my standpoint, I, I I definitely would not want my coach to say that because when I go back to the round, I ask my coach every time. I say, "Hey, did I win the round? Did I win?" I want to fucking know the truth. But maybe she's not that type of fighter. Maybe maybe she needed him to say that. Maybe only he knows. 
if, if he should have said that or not. And he knows what type of relationship they have. Everybody's out here saying, oh, he's a dumbass. He should have told her she won. Now, I, I will say he's a little delusional as far as the interview he gave about saying saying that she wasn't being outstruck. And maybe that's just his pride, you know, trying to stick up for his girl. But for him to make him for him to say, oh, you're doing a great job in between rounds like that. Maybe that's what she had to hear. I mean, you have to understand something, you know, I mean, let's be realistic. Ronda Rousey has a bully mentality. And, and, and maybe that's what a bully fighter like that needs to hear. You know, I mean, you know, that's I mean, she has the Mike Tyson bully bully effect on people. She has her whole career and this worked good for her. Maybe that she needed to hear, that, you know, and falsely believe that she was winning. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it was in the last round. She had four more rounds left to try to do something. Maybe that's what she needed to do. But uh, I forgot what was the original question we we, we, we had started on. Uh, we were basically talking about everyone's criticism of her coach. And, you know, another point that I want to bring to the table there is that prior to this fight, I mean, first of all, she was undefeated. And all her fights, she was finishing in basically under 30 seconds. So, I mean, what more do you guys want? Why do you want her to see a new coach when she's getting those kind of results? I mean, in my opinion, we should, we should be giving the praise to Holly Holm because, I mean, she had the perfect game plan and just the technique and strategy to go out there and defeat someone like Ronda Rousey. And when you bring up the fact that, you know, he was like, yeah, you're doing great. I mean, what else should he say? Should he be like, uh, step to the left and throw your right? You, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it just was wrong place, wrong time, it seemed like. And with Ronda's style of going forward, he had to keep encouraging her. Only he knows what he should have said. I mean, everybody can sit there and say, oh, I would have said it. Maybe, maybe, like I said, only he knows what she, what she reacts to. Like I said, my, my coach doesn't yell at me. He's very specific and technical, which I like, and I don't need motivation, but some people do. I mean, different fighters are different for a reason. Different people are different for a reason. Um, I, this is what I don't understand that, that kind of shocks me, and I, I'm just, I don't understand it. Is uh, Okay, I read an article the other day, uh, like two days ago. I guess it was Bloody Over, which I, I'm not going to lie. Their, their site is whack to me. I don't believe half the shit that I read on that, that website. It's a joke, but um, uh, it really is. But um, uh, they had they had I, I think I'm, I'm about ninety percent sure it was that website. They said something about um, about Ronda Rousey striking is not where it should be, and they compared they compared Olympians uh, Yoel Romero and Cormier. And they I don't know did you read this article? No, nah, but that's ridiculous. Just what you're saying already. This, this was their justification. They said within four years. Ronda's been, I guess, been been striking for four years or whatever. Or at at at, at this this point of time in their careers, they their technique and their skill set was way farther along than hers is right now with the same amount of training, the same four years that they had. But here's okay, here's the question. First of all, men are naturally more athletic. That's just the way it is. Our body types were, were genetically structured to be, you know, stronger, faster. That's the way. That's the way it is. And I'm not, you know, I hope, don't try to offend any feminists or anything. But let's be realistic. You know, that's why men and women don't fight each other. W women are great athletes, for, you know, for, for 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 what they are, and men are great athletes for what they are. But here's the thing: they're saying, oh, well, well, well Cormier looked way better than this when he was, you know, four years deep, and so did Yoel. He he beat Derek Brunson, knocked him out. You know, but guess what? Derek Brunson's a wrestler. Uh, Daniel Cormier in in and Yoel Romero have never fought a 19 19-time world champion boxer. That that's another difference there. You talk about that her strike is done on that level. Guess what? Four if she could have trained with Freddie Roach for for the last 4 years, she could have trained with 
uh, Teddy Atlas. She could have trained with Virgil Hunter. It wouldn't have mattered who she trained with. Her th three hitting three pads three days a week and, and sparring twice a week is not going to catch up to a freaking 15-year boxing career of a, of a multiple-time world champion, no matter what she did. I don't think her strategy was wrong because she went for takedowns. She tried to do takedowns. It's not like she she didn't she didn't she didn't attempt them. She she got one of them. And she missed two. I mean, three takedowns in one round is a decent amount, and she just got shut down. I mean, instead of people bashing on her, well, I don't understand why they won't compliment Holly Holm and tell her that she's doing great. But as far as the coaching goes, I mean, I don't know Edmund Tverdian. I don't know how good of a coach he is personally. But, I mean, six months ago, he was the baddest motherfucker around. If, if You know, if you ask everyone else when Ronda slings, let's go ahead with one punch. Oh, it's it's her boxing, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I, I don't realistically could have any any other coach had her do any better against the 19-time world champion standing up from the way she fights. I mean, people want to say, oh, well, he, she should have given the game plan. She should have circled. She should have did this. Guess what? A person is, is who they are by nature. If, if, if Holly Holm is a counterpuncher, like I said, she has a problem. She doesn't She doesn't feel comfortable taking the lead. If Ronda Rousey's a pressure fight, here's, here's something a lot of people don't understand if they've never fought. How, this is how you know what you are. The first time you ever spar, you can have a coach and you can you can hit pads for six months and never spar. And then that first time you spar, you know if you, what you are. If you're a natural person that comes forward, that's what you are. If you're if you if you your coach trains you for six months to, to come forward and just walk people down, but the moment you spar, you start moving. That's what you are. People don't tend to go from their nature. They are what they are. You know, people can you can tell a, you can tell a counterpuncher to come forward, but that it's not in his nature. He's not his nature. You can tell a, a pressure fighter to move around, but if it's not his nature, people are gonna they're, they're gonna go with their nature. I mean, you can train some of that out, but the majority that's staying in you. That's that's who you are by nature. And Ronda Rousey is a pressure fighter by nature. She's a come forward fighter. She could train with any a million people, and they could teach her all this counter moving shit. But when the, when the, when the shit gets popping in the cage, she's gonna come forward. And Holly Holm is a mover, and, and she she was a mover in her boxing career, so that just played right into her. And when the stuff pops off, get when she has to take the lead, you saw the results with Raquel Pennington and them. And maybe in a rematch, maybe you know Holly Holm would knock them out as well. But they're not engaging. She doesn't feel comfortable taking the lead because that's not in her nature. So pe people don't understand these small little things about fighting. Yeah, and a lot of people try to act like, uh, oh, she should have beat the boxer. But, I mean, Holly Holm is more than a boxer. Obviously, the finishing move was a head kick. You can't fucking head kick someone in boxing. So, I mean, it's more than just boxing versus judo. And, obviously, you know, in Faraz's video, he detailed the fact that whenever Ronda would try to go for the judo throw, Holly actually had her hips below Ronda's hips, which prevented it. And instead of wrapping around Ronda's waist like many of her previous opponents, uh, she actually put her hand on the inside, which prevented uh, you know Ronda from getting that 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 hip toss or that judo throw. And another thing, you know, all these uh, all these experts that are coming out after the fact, you know, last week on Fight Week, I didn't hear a fucking peep from anyone. You know, it was all uh, hey, she's gonna break her arm in a minute, this and that. You know, I I'm guilty of it too. I thought that Ronda was gonna go out there and dominate, but now after the fact, all these people that didn't say a fucking word are all like. Oh, how'd, how'd you count out Holly Holm? It's like, well, did you see her performance against Marion Renault and uh, Raquel Pennington? Like we mentioned earlier, James, she rose to the occasion. You know, you know what annoys me with the, with these with these these I told you so fuckers is, is this right here. This is how they justify that they they really did tell you so, which is the stupidest shit ever. This, I mean, people got to think about this, okay? They they, they want to. There's a lot of these people I know that they hit you with. Oh, I think so and so is going to win. I think so, but they say that. Or she had. Like I know this one dude. He's like, oh, she's got a chance. 
She's got a chance, doesn't say yes or no. First of all, she says that well, everybody's got a fucking chance and they got two fists. But then they sit here and say, oh, I was so confident in her that I bet my money on it. Well, goddamn, you you bet on a freaking 20 to 1, a 10 to 1 underdog. I, I would be confident enough. My girlfriend was telling me to bet fit. She wanted to bet 50 bucks because I think at the odds at the time was like 10 or 12 to 1. I was like, you'll win like 500 bucks. And she's like, oh, I'm going to do it. And I, I told her I don't even worry about it because I thought Ryder was going to win. I'm going to be honest. So it's easy to say that you were so confident you bet your money on it when, when you're when you're taking. I mean, you also bet your money that you're going to win the lottery when you when you buy a lottery ticket. I mean, not the, but twenty to one odds or whatever it was. Of course, you're not you're not really taking a risk. I mean, here's the question: If those odds were even, would you have took that bet? If those odds were even and you would have took that bet, then yes, I guess you did believe she had a great chance and you thought she was going to win. But if those odds are twenty to one, you can't say that. Oh, oh, I thought she was going to win. That's why I bet my money. No, you you are hoping on a prayer just like everyone else was. Yeah, I mean, and, and James, just to just to build off that point, if it was even money, I will tell you right here, right now, on half the battle, that they would have put down their mortgage on Ronda Rousey. Fuck yeah, they would have. <laughs> Hell yeah, they would have. <laughs> it's this shit's ridiculous, man. All, it, it is literally ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Listen to yeah, man. So yeah, I saw your post on Facebook, and you know, obviously, you're uh, you're very passionate about you know what happened, and so am I. Just because like all these experts, man, they don't they don't know what the hell they're talking about, and it's funny to see them flip flop, you know, one week to the other. I'm staying, you know, where I was. I thought Ronda was going to be the better fighter. I thought she was going to dominate her. I didn't think Holly Holm was on her level, but now that we see she is on her level, all you can do is give her the credit she deserves, right? Exactly. I mean, all these these trolls or whatever the hell they call them, you know, they're it's basically it's too many critics with no credentials. These these dudes think they're they're qualified to tell Ronda Rousey to leave her coach and do this and that when when uh, their experience is they're a jiu-jitsu tournament or a smoker Muay Thai fight or even just not even that level. They just watch UFC on TV and they're that they know how to tell a world champion Olympian to to to, to, to what she needs to do to become a world champion again. I mean, it's ridiculous and. I mean, you can't listen to them. It is kind of entertaining, though. I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit funny. But for sure, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't just go 12-0 and 0 with 12 finishes if you don't know what you're doing, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, she. you know what? The one thing about Ronda, like, I mean, I hate to say this, and this, like I said, I hope I don't lose any fans saying shit like this, but women's MMA is, is really behind men's MMA. And this is why. And I, I don't compare it to athleticism because I understand that a man and a woman are different. This is why I say this. Because the reason why Ronda beats all these girls, she's so far technically advanced because she's the only girl in the UFC that's been training for like 15, 10, 15, 20 years. Like she she has literally like 15 years experience on most of these girls. Like most of these girls started training when they're 18, 19, 20 years old. And she's been training since she was three. Now she hasn't been training in martial arts, but when you when you have that high of a level, plus she's so athletic. So she's not only she's the most technical, she's the most athletic. All right, obviously now we see Holly Holmes is phenomenal athlete, but Holly Holmes is also one that has been training forever as well now. Now, Holly almost didn't start until she was, what, 16? But now she's 34, so she has that 20 years behind her almost, you know? But you see these girls coming in with seven, eight years experience. It's hard to beat beat someone who's been training that long. That's why you see certain guys certain guys coming in and just they, they're smashing dudes. The difference is with, with, with the guys is there's, there, there's way more of them that have been training you know, from a younger age in wrestling and boxing. They have a, a major discipline that they started in. And Ron is the only girl that she's the only girl that I see that's been training since she was three years old in the UFC. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't see any other ones, and that's why she that's why she dominates them. And plus, she her mentality, and, and you know, it's a combination of everything. But that being said, if she had seven years of experience like some of the other girls, that I don't think she she would she would have you know been an undefeated champion like this. I mean, that just shows you, and like I said, not not trying to disrespect women's MMA, but. It is behind because in, in, in male MMA, there's tons of guys that have been wrestling since they were in the third grade or been boxing or have multiple black belts in karate. There's tons of people like that. She's the only one. That's why she was able to dominate everyone so easily. And the fact that she is, you know, she's mean as hell and her her, her athleticism. Yeah, for sure. And for everyone listening, you know, James isn't being disrespectful at all. He's laying out the facts because... I've always considered Ronda Rousey to be the Hoist Gracie of women's MMA. And what I mean by that is, if you go back and you watch Hoist Gracie, I mean, he was beating everyone in one way, you know? He'd take their back and choke them out. It was all jujitsu. Now with Ronda, obviously, you know, towards the end of her title reign, she did start to knock a couple people out. But what she's known for is the judo throw to the armbar. So in a sense, she is the Hoist Gracie of women's MMA. Now Holly Holm, she added something different to the table. You know, with Ronda, we never saw Ronda throw head kicks body kicks we never saw her you know use that distance establish a jab we only see her get in people's face and fuck them up now with uh, holly holm it's that next generation you know the head kicks the footwork the lateral movement so would you agree with me when i say that ronda rousey is the hoist gracie of women's mma oh definitely you know i never thought about that till you said that that, that makes a lot of sense i mean back then i'm like, I had my brother in Like, I mean, I feel like I don't want to be disrespectful, but, you know, shit needs to be said. Like, I had my brother one time telling me, oh, talking about, oh, how great Hoist Gracie. I said, man, I would, I know, on the real, I would have whipped Hoist Gracie's ass. And his prime, I mean, think about it. I, I'm 100, uh, well, of course, I'm coming off injury, but I'm 190 pounds right now. And fighting at 155, he, he, he walked around at 170, and he knew, he knew one discipline, and that was it. And my brother's like, oh, he would have fucked you up. I said, yeah, right. I said, if it take me right now and, and fight him in his prime, I would have mopped the floor with that dude because he didn't know anything else. It's like you're beating everyone that, that, because they don't know shit. They, they don't know anything. But then now, every, guess what? Everybody knows jiu-jitsu now. Everybody's at least in the UFC, I would say, is at least, at least purple belt level of jiu-jitsu. Everyone knows how to wrestle a little bit. Everyone knows. No, no one might not be at... Uh, everybody not, might not be an expert at something, but they're always they're all all you needed to be is you know say if you got a one to ten scale, everybody's at least a five at everything, and that's why they're in the UFC. And he was a, I guess back then he was considered a ten at one thing, and and, and everything else was non-existent because everyone else was a ten at what they did, but they just you know you have a boxer coming in there fucking fighting him with a bot punt with a fucking fucking glove on his hand. I mean, come with his, you know, that is the most ridiculous shit ever. But I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, Rhonda, she's just, she was just so far advanced at, at that, at her moves and they just couldn't be stopped. It's like, if you, that, you, you know, it surprised me a lot that, that didn't have the same results in the, in the UFC that really shocked me is Sarah McMahon because she is an Olympic wrestler. And I thought that she would, I mean, didn't she recently lose to Misha Tate as well? She, yeah, she lost to Misha Tate and Amanda Nunez. And just on that point, because I, I know, I, here's my opinion on why Sarah McMahon, you know, isn't as successful as other women. You know, obviously, to be in the Olympics, you know, you got to have that mental fortitude and all that. But I think that somewhere along the way, you know, she had some kids and this and that. I don't think that she's got that championship heart. I know she's an Olympian. I'm not trying to disrespect her at all. But if you've watched her fights, you know, when things don't go her way, you know, she kind of uh, she kind of quits a little bit, and you can't quit if you want to be a champion. I agree, and that's crazy because I know I know I know several people like that that are 
that were like very high level top of their sport guys or girls and in MMA, they just they they just can't get it done. And you would think that they have tons of heart to get to where they did in that sport. But I mean, maybe I don't know. I, maybe there was something else. You know, maybe it was athleticism. Maybe it was something else that was getting them there. Or I mean, yeah, I mean, I see it all the time. Like, and then the other thing, a lot of the, like I've noticed some a lot of the wrestlers that I train with, a lot of them they they worked so hard. You know, because if you go to like a, a high level Division One program, like it's so hard and so physically demanding. They feel like a lot of them in their MMA careers are lazy because they they feel like they've worked they worked so hard in, in there that they that, that that they don't they've already paid their dues that they don't have to work as hard in MMA. Now that being said, I know a lot of them that work really hard. You know, I, I definitely wouldn't you know try to discredit them. I know a lot of them that, that train hard as hell, and that's you know you see dudes like Cain Velasquez. That's why he's so good. Because you know that's why he's he was basically the baddest dude on the planet because he he still kept his work ethic. But a lot of guys they don't they they, they get lazy. A lot of the, the wrestlers and maybe maybe that's why I'm there. I don't know her like that, so maybe it didn't. But they 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 they, they put so much into that that it's like they don't have anything left to give. You know. Yeah, for sure. And back on the Rousey talk real quick, you know, we mentioned how all the so-called experts are criticizing her game plan. So obviously we know that they're probably going to rematch each other. And I mean, is it a matter of Holly Holm having her number or are there adjustments Ronda can make to win this fight? I mean, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I don't want to sound like one of the trolls that knows how, to, how she can win. I'm not no expert. I mean, I am a professional fighter though. And I, I you know, I am pretty high level at this point. I would say that she needs some different takedowns. I would say she, first of all, obviously she she knows how to defend a few of the moves. That doesn't mean she's going to defend them all the time. And she, um, uh, Holly knows, Holly, you know, Holly knows how to get her hips. I would say maybe Ronda needs to shoot lower on her. Maybe maybe try some 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 some. You know, Holly being a boxer, she in a kickbox, she does stand really tall and straight up. Maybe she needs to do that. Maybe she needs to. I think, you know, maybe she should work feints a little better. I mean, all this is, is easy to say on the outside when you're not in there. But she definitely has to get the fight to the ground to win. I mean, it's not like she didn't. I don't, there wasn't anything wrong with her game plan. It's not like she didn't plan on getting her to the ground because she tried. She, I think she just needs a, maybe a different route to do so. Maybe, you know, maybe she needs to, she does need to, you know, mix up her takedowns, try some double legs or some lower attacks instead of body, body attacks on such a tall, strong, you know, mover. Yeah, that's a good point. And obviously, you know, she is a judoka, an Olympian judoka. So she's been, you know, training her whole life. And that's the style she uses to take people down to the ground. And for wrestlers, you know, they've been training their single legs, their double legs, their ankle picks, everything, you know, for as long as they've been wrestling. Now, obviously, we know her work ethic is through the roof. So do you think she could master, you know, those style of takedowns, you know, in a six-month time span? Because it's a completely different style than what she normally does with the judo. I mean, I don't think she can master it, but I, I definitely think she – and not only is she – her work at the good, she's an athlete. I mean, Ronda Rousey's the most most athletic woman in the, in the division. I mean, her and Holly Holm, honestly, I mean, she she is an athlete. And the, when you're an athlete like that, you pick things up quick. And, I, I mean, I definitely think she could she could be competent enough, to, you know, to, to, to definitely take – to take, you know, at least uh, – you know, be competent enough to try them. And see how they go. No, I mean, that's not saying she's going to get her down. You know what? Now that we think, now that I think about it, when I when I uh, think about it, watching Holly Holm fight, I mean, 
I saw her in Legacy. You know, I'm, I'm from Texas, and it's a it's a it's a it's a Legacy is a Texas-based organization, and she was the champion there. And I watched a couple of fights. I don't remember her ever really being taken down, and if she did, she got up. You know, relatively, you know, immediately. So like, she doesn't really. When you move a lot, it's hard to take you down. Like I, I fought a couple D1 wrestlers that couldn't even. You know, and I don't even have a wrestling. Match. When you move, you you don't get taken down a lot. Like Dominic Cruz, you know, he doesn't get taken down. You move, it's it's hard to it's hard to wrestle someone or takes it when they don't want to engage. They they just you know people can call it running or whatever. I mean, if you're landing, you're landing, but it's hard to when someone doesn't set their feet. It's that's why you see guys you know Edson Barbosa very hard to take down it, because he doesn't set his feet. Dominic Cruz hard to take down. Dill well Dillashaw is a high level wrestler, but you know Dominic Cruz people think he's such a high level wrestler. He was wrestling in high school. Now he wrestles a lot. And he's an MMA wrestler, but. He doesn't set his feet, so it's it's going to be hard either way. To she's got to figure out a way to corner, and that's hard to do in a cage that big. And that that's the benefits of, of being a tall striker for sure. Yeah, and we mentioned how you know women's MMA it is currently evolving. Obviously, men's MMA is evolving too. But you know, with uh, Joanna Champion, the 115 pound champion, Joanna Janjacek, her striking. You know, do you know who I'm talking about, James? Oh yeah, oh yeah. She's my she's one of my favorites. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. That, so what do you think about the fact that, you know, her striking is so damn high level? Because in a sense, her, her, her striking is at the same level, in my opinion, of Ronda's judo. It's just, you know, they got the best of, of different worlds. You know what I'm saying? So what do you think about, uh, about Joanna Champion? Oh, she, she's bad. She's bad. And her style is ruthless. I love it. I mean, as a striker, I love it. She, uh. She 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 tucks her chin very well, so she doesn't even when she takes like she got hit a few times last fight, you know this last a couple couple nights ago. She she got touched with the right hand, but she she keeps her like every she's she's definitely I would seriously say guy or girl she's top five of the most technical striker one of the most technical strikers in the entire UFC, and you can tell she's she was trained with you know they you know, they said she trained you know for several years with Ernesto who's she's trained with very high level people and that have made her do the right things over and over and over and, and she couldn't be untechnical she if she wanted to be at this point and it it is it's 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 unfair to the other girls because she's that much higher of a level and she's got that long strong body to like people don't realize how hard it is to take a like a tall person down to keep them down she's got that long strong body type. People think like when I fight some people like my, example my last fight like Jake Matthews, he really thought that he was just gonna pick me up and slam me and hold me down. People don't understand how strong I am. I, at one fifty five, like first of all, I'm one hundred ninety pounds right now, and now I'm coming off injury. I normally walk around about one eighty five. That's still thirty pounds over the weight class, but I'm strong. I have that that long body type, and I haven't fought anybody yet that's just been able to hold me and muscle me down. I out of twenty amateur boxing fight, I mean, or or another by the boxing. Out of about 20 MMA fights, amateur, pro, ultimate fighter, I have about 20 fights, and I've been on my back a minute and a half, maybe combined in all 20. And I fought two Division One wrestlers, a, a judo Olympic alternate. Like, I fought some some high-level people on the ground. But when you're, like, I'm strong, people think that they're just going to muscle me, and this shit has never happened. And Johanna's the same way. She has that long, like, you saw when she fought um, uh, Carla Esparza. She she just put that long sprawl on her that that long that long strength and it, 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 it people don't get it they think that you can just break a tall person look at John Jones I mean John Jones has a wrestling background but look how strong he is and he's tall and skinny but I mean he, he's big but people people think that you can just muscle it this shit don't work and Johanna plays that really well so if if those girls can't get her down they're fucked like she's she's not gonna get outstruck by anybody at this point I don't think 
Yeah, and on a separate topic, you know, you, t- you talk about how, you know, that body type is really efficient for, you know, not being held down and stuff. Man, I really wish Frankie Edgar was still in your weight class because, you know, he's like 5'6", you're like 6'3". That would be a very intriguing matchup, don't you think? Oh, yeah, that would be funny. Yeah, um, uh, I think, yeah, I don't think he's going to get me in a, down and hold me down. I mean, I mean, I don't want to talk bad and we're not in the same weight class. We're never going to fight, but... But no, he's he's too short. I I would move and you know I mean he 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 does he does know how to close range on on tall people and he does do good and he may he he could pro- possibly get me down but I would get right back up and when I and another thing with a tall person when they know how to use the cage it's done like as good as I can use the cage I'm getting held down. Dominic Cruz he's t- really tall for the weight class as good as he can use the cage nobody's gonna hold him down. Like that cage is the anti-wrestler too. Like when you know how to use that, like used to all of these wrestlers were like, if they put you on the cage, you were screwed and it would be over. Now everybody knows how to get up. And when you get up like that, it's hard and it just, it drains their energy. Like I saw that in my last fight with Jake Matthews. I, he, he worked so hard to get that takedown. And as soon as he got me down, I walked my hands back and got right back up within, within five seconds. And when we got up, when we disengaged, I saw it in his face. It looked like he was just like heartbroken. Yeah. It makes it. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, fuck. <laughs> hey, so who's the shortest guy in your weight class? You what? Who's the shortest guy in your weight class? I, wait, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's funny because all the guys that were like, you know, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, they all dropped to 145 pounds. Yeah, because there's a lot of tall guys coming up that are – and there's a lot of guys. in the, I mean, me, Michael Chiesa, Tony Ferguson. I mean, we're all tall guys. It's, I guess it's, you know, it's, they did a five foot seven guy that really don't want to fight us. I mean, I guess they could like they, my, my opponent two fights ago, uh, uh, Nick Hine, they had him listed as five foot six and the thing, but he's not no five foot six. I stood next to him. He, he's at least five foot nine. I mean, and that's still short, but I mean, he, he, you know, he's a Southpaw and he punches from weird angles. So he, he actually caught me with a good shot and dropped me. But, um, uh, I, I was able to stay away, and you know, being tall, it's 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 hard. when you tall and you move your feet, it's really hard to get in on, on someone like that. For sure, man. So back on topic, you know, we're talking about Joanna Champion, and you know, prior to this fight, I thought no one could beat Ronda Rousey in the women's division. I truly thought she was going to retire undefeated. Now we got another case with with actually Holly Holm and Joanna Janjacek. They're both undefeated. They're both champions. And, I mean, I guess currently the consensus is that they're going to retire undefeated. But as we've learned, no one is invincible. So, you know, do you foresee them losing anytime soon? Or do you think they're going to hold their belts for a while? Well, that girl that Johanna beat before by split decision, that was a close fight. And and apparently she's getting a title shot next. And Johanna's just broke her hand and she's going to have to have surgery on it. So she's going to be coming off an injury. I mean, the other girls come off injury as well, but she's probably going to be healthier before Johanna is. So, I mean, that 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 could be a that could be a loss for. Her. I mean, I, I would wouldn't bet against her, and I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, I think uh, Holly Holm, if she, especially champions don't fight as much as you know non champions usually. If she could stay undefeated for the next year and a half to two years and stay retired like 35, 36 years old, then yeah, she could retire undefeated. But I, there's always someone out there for people that think that nobody, there's not anybody coming. People are coming. And, and these people are getting better. They're training from a younger age now. I mean, you, you can look at a champion now and say, oh, he, there's no way he's going to lose. You can look at, I mean, there's plenty of them. Uh, I mean, look, a few years, a couple years ago, everybody's like, there's no way Jose Aldo's going to lose. And I mean, now people think Conor McGregor's going to beat him. 
I mean, and he came out of nowhere. People come out of nowhere because they might you, they might be new to you, but they ain't new to training. They ain't new to the gym. They ain't new to, to, to mastering their craft. And people are in the gym right now putting in work as we speak right now. You know, I just left the gym, and I, I'm putting in work. And, and people, you know, a few years ago, people laughed at me when I told them I was going to be in the UFC. And then they laughed at me. People laugh at me now when I tell them I'm going to be a world champion. Guess what? A few years, a couple years, two to three years from now, they're not going to be fucking laughing anymore because I'm going to be a world champion. And people think that someone out there ain't progressing. They don't understand how, how good you can. If you, you, you have the, the, the capability, you're healthy, the, 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 the financial situation for you to train full time and two years is a lifetime. You, the, the crazy amount of, of time gain a ground you can gain in a couple years. So some of these girls that you, you've never even heard of within two years will be in the UFC and be right up there on that level or guys or whoever, like people think that like Dana, Dana White always says this, you know, there's always someone out there and there is always someone out there for sure. And you know, on that topic, I was actually in attendance when Chris Weidman defeated Anderson Silva the first time. And you know, I, I thought Anderson Silva was invincible. No one can touch this guy. You know, who the hell is Chris Weidman? Yeah, he just knocked out Mark Munoz with a beautiful elbow. But I was like, the way I justified it was, but that's Mark Munoz, right? And so at the fight, I'm there. And half the crowd is Brazilian. So we're in Vegas. And half the crowd's Brazilian. They're all screaming, oh, vamos air. And, you know, I was cheering for Anderson. So they treated me like family. You know, we're fucking holding that goddamn Brazilian flag and shit. And uh, just cheering him on him. You know, as the fight's going on and he's taunting Chris Weidman, we're all like, yes, it's working. You know, he's messing with his head. And then uh, Anderson goes down and the whole place went silent. All the Brazilians left the stadium. Like, as soon as it happened, they all left. Like, they didn't even stay for the post-fight interview or anything. Everyone was in shock, including the security guard. So I literally walk up to the front and, like, I run into John Jones and I'm like, John, congrats, man. You're now... the the number one pound for pound fighter on planet earth. And he's like, thanks man. But then his manager, Malky walks up to me and he's like, dude, he's been the number one fucking pound for pound fighter on planet earth. Anyone that says differently is a fucking idiot. I was like, all right, man. But then after that, I was like, wow, you know, Weidman's the real deal because you know, it's not like he just went out there, you know, put his head down and closed his eyes and swung a, a shot and Anderson went down. It wasn't like that at all. It was strategic. It was systematic. And, you know, he's very humble. And you can tell that the guy is a legit champion. So I grew respect for him after the fact. And a lot of people are, are like, t giving me shit about, oh, you know, you shouldn't give him the credit he deserves. You should, you know, if you're an Anderson fan, you know, you should only, uh, you should stay on that side. And it's like, to me, it's not a matter of choosing sides. To me, it's a matter of giving someone the respect they deserve because they did the unthinkable. Just like with Holly. I was picking Ronda all week. I was saying Ronda was going to kill her. But now that Holly won, am I supposed to be like, oh, fuck Holly Holm? No. In my opinion, I'm supposed to give her the respect she deserves because she did the unthinkable. What do you think about that? You're right. Um, uh, it, but it's like, you know what? A lot of these, uh, these especially like a casual fan, they, they, they come from like a football or basketball mentality where it's their team and fuck everyone else. And finding such an individual, individual sport, whereas there's, you have what, how many teams in the NFL? 30 teams in the NFL or whatever. And you have 25, 30 teams in the NFL. And you have, but you have 600 people in the UFC. So they're looking at these person. They're like, well, fuck that motherfucker. They beat my person. And two, two fights down the road, they still don't want to give them respect. Five fights down the road, they're still hating on them. But because if, if someone beats your team on uh, uh, Sunday football, you're like, fuck them. I hate them. 
you people people want so that it's like unless you're like a hardcore fan like you are and and, stu- and study this sport and, and understand stuff you, you uh, I I mean I, I really it's dumb as it sounds I expect them to think like that because that's the way they, they, they think about all the other sports they watch yeah and but I think it's and they should respect the individual but I mean that's that's people. I'm actually really glad you brought that up because that's a really good way to think about it. Because you know I'm from Atlanta. Uh, who first of all, who's your uh, football team, James? I mean, I don't really watch football. You know what? I played football when I was younger too. But it's crazy. Once I started, once I started um uh, doing single person sports, I kind of just just stopped caring about team sports. And I know that sounds bad, but you can be on a team and represent yourself. Like I'm on a fighting team. I was on a boxing team, and. Like I actually played basketball in college and everything, and I, you know, I was a huge Kobe Bryant fan. And I would say if I had to pick a team, I mean, I'm from Dallas, so I guess I would have to go with you know the Cowboys because just because I'm from you know there. But I don't really, I, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't really watched the game all season. I don't really watch uh, uh, team sports very much yeah, anymore. It, well, the reason I asked is because okay, so obviously the Atlanta Falcons, they're my team, right? And any other team, fuck them, right? But with fighting. <laughs> It's different, man, because it's like, you know, there's multiple fighters in each weight class, obviously, and, you know, you like different things about different fighters. So with that Anderson versus Weidman fight, before the fight, I didn't think that Chris Weidman was that good of a striker. I thought, okay, he knocked out Mark Munoz, but everyone's knocked out Mark Munoz, whatever. And the fact that he knocked out Anderson, that to me shows me, hey, he is a high-level striker. He's not just a wrestler. So that's me giving him the credit he deserves, whereas if, you know... Well, actually, Atlanta beat the Cowboys, but let's say the Cowboys beat Atlanta. I'm not going to suddenly be like, oh, I love the Cowboys now. I would just be like, man, fuck the Cowboys. But with Weidman's case, it's like, I really like how he set up that left hook. I really like how he set up his ground and pound. I really like how he conducted himself after the fight. Why can't you be a fan of both guys? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm uh I, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't even a fan of his after that. I was, I was like, I, I, I'll be honest. I thought, it, I thought it was luck because Anderson did have his eyes closed. And I, the one thing I thought Anderson was gonna win that fight even after the first round because what what I saw was it looked like to me Chris Wyman had an adrenaline dump. He looked so gassed coming into the second round, and, and I felt like Anderson blew it. And then I was like, damn. And then the second time, you know, he broke his shin. I just wanted to cry. I was like, I literally wanted to cry. First of all, that's like some career-ending shit, but. But what when he really won me over is the way he walked Machida down and beat him and whipped his ass, and he took some and he, he showed his heart as well. But he beat, he outstruck Machida for three rounds. I mean, he took him down once in, in, for a couple minutes, but Machida got back up. Yeah, and that's that's when I really started believing of uh, how good he was. And then I knew he was going to destroy Vitor, and um, uh, I really started believing you know and how good he was after after he, he beat Machida. That 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 was the that was the one that. that got me on his side and now now I'm a fan yeah that was a very impressive performance and you know obviously when we talk about how we like him as an individual not just a fighter after the Anderson fight you know obviously Anderson was taunting him on the mic Chris could have been like fuck this guy you know he was he was fucking making fun of me and this and that but instead he was super humble and to me I mean look it's two guys in a cage getting paid to fight in front of millions of fans there's bragging rights there's money on the line so to me the whole, you know, respect thing. I don't really give a shit about it, but I do admire how humble he was in victory. Yeah, um, you shouldn't. And I mean, there there has to be some like serious. Like I do, I will say one thing. I do understand um, Ronda Rousey not 
wanting to shake hands and be cool after the the Besco Hea fight after you know because she she took offense that that Rhonda was that Betts was talking about her her dad who committed suicide. So unless it's something like that, you should always shake the man's hand and respect him. And I mean, you you don't hate this guy. I mean, he knew what he was signing up for. You know what you were signing up for. It's a it's a competition. People want to look at MMA as human cockfighting. It's a joke. It's a competition, just like football just like track just like golf it's 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 different rules uh, than other sports of course they're completely different sport but you know it, it's not like you're going to beat up a drunk at the bar and, and get on the microphone acting like you're hard i mean it's 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 you signing a contract him signing a contract you train he trains and you're a professional athlete so i mean you should always respect the person because you know what you went through to get there guess what they went through the same thing you should and you should always respect them after now that being said you know that doesn't mean if you, that's your style to talk some shit before the fight, then talk some shit before the fight. But afterwards, you know, shake the dude's hand and respect him. Yeah. Well said, my man. And uh, how fucking good is Robert Whitaker, dude? Good, good. You know, I I, uh, I, um, I fought with him on, a, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the, the, the May card in Australia, in Adelaide, when he knocked out Brad Tavares. And I was surprised because Tavares is good and Tavares is well-rounded and his striking is good and Whitaker's Whitaker's a warrior, you know. He's he's a dog, and I'm. Uh, I, I I just man, Uriah Hall, man. I just like I just that dude, man. It's crazy. He he he's such a hot and cold fighter. It's like I would never bet my money on that guy. Like he could fight, he could fight the biggest bum in the UFC, and I would never bet my money on him because one day he looks like the best fighter in the world. He looks like he could beat freaking Weidman. He looks like he could be a world champion, and then the next day he gets he he gets beat by. Doomsday Howard, 170 pounder, half his size. That's been out of the UFC for two years, you know, like he did a couple years. Like, it's like one day he looks like the best fighter in the world. The next day he gets beat by, by a 500 fighter. Like, he's a hot and cold dude. I, I mean, I, I don't know what his problem is. Honestly, I don't get it. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying Whitaker didn't do his job because guess what? Whitaker always fights like that. He always comes with heart and he always, you know, tries to win. Even even when he in, in defeat, you know, he didn't go out, but. I just don't, you know, it's 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 hard to 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 deal with uh, Uriah Hall because I was real pissed when he beat Musasi. I'm not gonna lie, because I'm a Musasi fan. Like that's one of my favorites. And I was like, and I was so mad because you know what? To me, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they don't they might not agree with this statement and they don't like this statement, but I don't really give you know I don't really give a fuck. But but um, uh, in MMA, it, it's different. The best fighters don't always win in MMA. Like boxing, first of all, the best fighters don't always win in boxing either. But ninety. 95% of the time, the best fighter in boxing wins. And usually if you see one guy beating the other one, then probably at least 8 out of 10 times he would win that fight every time. But that's not the case in MMA. You have these dudes that fucking just... You remember a couple years ago, or it was probably like 4 or 5 years ago, remember when Todd Duffy was just beating the shit out of that that, that, that slow-ass dude, and he just beating his brakes off, and he throws that overhand right and knocks him out cold? Yeah. After two years... That's the type of shit that happens in MMA. The best fighter don't always win. Or you see dudes like in, 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 in Pride, Anderson Silva's fucking old dude up, and he does a rolling leg lock and finishes them. He ain't the better fighters. They fought 50 times. Anderson Silva win 45 of them. You know, or, or, or Duffy would, would have beat the dude. And Roy Nelson, same thing. He'll be getting his ass kicked and just launch overhand right and win. MMA, the best fighter. Chris Lieben did that his whole career. The best fighter don't always win in MMA. So it's... it's, it's uh, it's like the, the Musasi and Uriah Hoffa. In my opinion, I mean, I could be wrong, but if they fought 10 times, Musasi wins at least seven to eight out of those fights. 
But that's the way it is. I mean, but he on that night, it's who performs. It is. But that being said, you know, it's hard for me to bet with him because and Whit- Whitaker, I, like I, I really had Whitaker is. I mean, I, I picked the right hall, but I really thought I picked the right hall based on something that I actually heard. Um, uh, Kenny Florence say on UFC tonight, he said that Robert Whitaker had a problem with the karate style that 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 that, that um. Uh, uh, Stephen Boy, Wonder Boy put on him, and and Uriah Hall has a similar style, so I think it's going to give him problems. And, and it was a you know it was a good analysis that, that that I thought was you know pretty smart. So for that when I when I posted my picks on my Facebook and Twitter, I, I picked Uriah Hall to win. But Whitaker is you know there's a lot of people Whitaker can beat because he has a heart of a champion, he has punching power, he has a good chin, and he's not going to give up. And and all of that being said, you know, Andy's he's athletic. It's not like he's not – Uriah Hall's is super athletic, but Uriah Whitaker's a really good athlete himself. I mean, you know, Uriah Hall's pretty much more athletic than 95% of the division. It's not like, you know, Whitaker's not a good athlete. He's just – so with that being said, you know, I knew he had a great chance, but I still did pick Uriah Hall. But it's just – I don't know. But Whitaker, you know, he's definitely going to do big things for sure. And I still think I think he should try to drop back down and, 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 and fight at 170. But I mean, people, you know, different people, you know, want to cut weight. Different people don't. Well, I think it's a case kind of like Dustin Poirier, where you know Robert Whitaker said that when he cut to 170, like he was losing the water in his head, and basically when he would take a punch, it, he would, he would go he would go down, and it just you know wasn't it didn't feel right. So at 185, he's light on his feet, he's explosive. And another thing, you know, we were talking about Uriah Hall. I mean, his confidence must have been sky high coming off that knockout of Gegard Mousasi. But when you talk about Robert Whitaker, he did exactly what you need to do to beat Uriah Hall, which is get in his face for 15 minutes straight. And that's exactly what he did. And that's the style of fight he does. And it goes back to the Holly Holm Ronda Rousey thing. Uriah Hall's a counterpuncher. He's been a counterpuncher his whole career, and that's the way he is. And Robert Whitaker is a pressure fighter, and he's been a pressure fighter his whole career. And that, that style played out for that case. That style played out for the pressure fighter versus the counterpuncher. But the Holly Holm thing, the counterpuncher got the, got the better of the exchanges. So, I mean, uh, and, and with, the, with the Robert Whitaker thing, him at 170, why? Who did he really get knocked out by besides Wonder Boy? I mean, who, you know, he said, did he, did he, I mean, maybe I missed that. Did, did, did someone else drop him or knock him out? Did, did he felt like that or? Yeah, he had a close fight with Court McGee where, you know, it was very close. It could have gone either way, but he did get dropped by something that wouldn't normally drop him. And at 185 pounds, it just looks like he's healthier, man. He's moving better and he's knocking dudes the fuck out at 185. He has a little speed advantage that helps him too. You know, it, uh, uh, that that's always an advantage. You know, moving up a weight class. Court McGee's a big ass dude though. He used to fight at one eighty five himself. You know, so I mean, I get that, but I mean, yeah, I mean, if he feels more comfortable, he knows what his body's like. I guess so for sure. You know, but it, it was a good fight. I was excited. I don't understand why. I didn't understand why why Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm got fight of the night. Yeah, yeah. That, Th- thank you. That was a one-sided beating, and I'm thinking either the Whitaker fight or Johanna and them, and Johanna and Valerie should have got it. One of them should have got it because those were good fights. And the, the the Ronda Rousey fight was just a one-sided beating. I think maybe they just wanted to hook Holly up with an extra bonus, which is which is cool too, you know, because she deserved it. But I, I'm thinking, what what the hell? How was that a fight of the night? That was a, that was a one-sided beating, but <laughs> yeah. Up to me. I, yeah, I felt like they could have given Holly a bonus, you know, under the table type thing, and that they should have given Hall and Whitaker the fight of the night, because that was clearly the, the fight of the night, in my opinion. I mean, Joanna, 
yes, yeah, it was an incredible, you know, performance by her. But, I mean, Valerie, yeah, she was tough as fuck, but it's not like Joanna was in trouble at any point in that fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's man, it's hard to get, it's hard to get bonuses. You know what? That's my theory. Like, people are always like, oh, when are you going to get on a big card? Man, fuck that. Keep putting me on fight nights. I want bonuses. It's way harder to get, unless you're on the main card. It was, first of all, something like that, like a main event that big. Like, it's going to be really hard for anybody else to get a bonus, a fight of the night bonus besides Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo. And that night, maybe if Rockhold and them do it because they're world champ, but it's going to be hard. Like, if you're if you're on a bigger card, that's why, I, like, I, I hope they ask me to fight on a fight night. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll most likely get a – I'm 4-0 now. I'll most likely get a main card spot, and and th there won't be no super big-name world champion probably on my card, so I'll have a better chance to get a bonus. So, I'm, I mean, that's how – and UFC, that's how you get paid is, is, is that bonuses. Yeah, man. And, so you mentioned your last fight against Jake Matthews, you know, in Adelaide. Obviously, you and Robert Whitaker were both underdogs. You know, obviously, I cashed both those underdog plays, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I got to ask you, man, you know, Jake Matthews, he just had a very impressive performance against Akbar Areola. You know, first round, Akbar threw everything but the kitchen sink at Jake Matthews. And, you know, Jake, he took it like a man. And in the second round, he turns things around and puts it on him. I mean, against James Vick, uh, you know, he couldn't even get out of the first round. But against Akbar Areola, he really showed that heart. What was your, you know, what did you think about Jake Matthews' performance? I mean, honestly, uh, well, first off, I was a little annoyed how the UFC was talking about, oh, he's the toughest challenge, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I understand they got to market the dude, you know, so, and that's smarter than his toughest challenge to date when he just lost to me. But um, I thought, honestly, I thought he was he was winning the first round until the head kick. I thought he was winning the exchanges on the feet. Um, I didn't think that, I mean, but then, you know, he got caught with a hard head kick. I mean, that was a solid shot, and I was surprised he survived that I was. And then the dude took his back, and I, I was shocked that he, he got out of that I was. And very impressive. And, show, and then he, when, he, when he took that last 30 seconds, what really impressed me, that last 30 seconds of that first round, when he reversed that position, he just went to work. And he got him. He looked like he was pissed. He was, like, almost mad that this motherfucker kicked him in the head. And I, I thought he was very impressive. And uh, there's a lot of lightweights he's going to beat. He's going to beat a lot of guys. I, I think the, here's another thing that, that I think that a lot of people don't realize with these younger guys that are coming in is, for one thing, they, 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 they're, a lot of them, you know, they, they've been training for a while. You know, they're young. They're starting younger ages. Also, they, they can train longer than, than, than older guys because when you're young, when you're fucking 19 years old, your body heals way faster. 20 years old but another thing is with him i think a problem he's going to run into is he ain't going to be able to make the weight class in another two years like these guys are coming in here they're they're 19 20 21 years old they're 180 pounds right now guess what your, your body fills out um, i mean when i was 19 years old i walked around at 165 pounds and now i'm walking around now i'm coming off injury of course but i'm walking around 185 I'm 190 right now but i'm walking around 185 just walking around when, when i'm in when i'm training hard even you know, I would only be about five pounds lighter. So 185 to 190, and just just when I was 19, I'm 28 now. Even just 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 when I was in the Ultimate Fighter, I only walked around at 175, even back then. So that was three and a half years ago, about three about yeah about three three and a half years ago. Your your body's gonna fill his body's gonna fill out. So that's a problem. But I think he's gonna do good at 172 as he gets bigger. I mean, he, he obviously has good style, good coaching. He's tough, and I mean. I think that he's going to do really good and, and have a long career in the UFC for sure. 
Yeah, and I, I got a question, just from your perspective, because, you know, we mentioned how, you know, he couldn't hold you down, and when he realized that, you said, you know, he kind of had a look on his face, like, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily looking for the door, but he was kind of like, oh, shit. But against Akbar, you know, he ate a big head kick, and that could have been the moment where he covered up and let the ref intervene, but instead, he showed that heart and came back, and, you know, he overcame, he persevered. So, why do you think there was a difference between those two fights? Why, you know, why wasn't he able to show that kind of heart against you? You know, obviously, you choked him out, and he couldn't get out, but up until then, like, just tell me your perspective on that. Well, first of all, I mean... I'm way fucking stronger than Akabar Ariola is. I mean, physically, I'm a better athlete than him, and I'm stronger than him. And when he took Akabar down, he he couldn't get up. And Akabar has a good submission game, but he was just stuck on bottom, and he he wasn't strong enough to get up from the bottom, or he just hasn't drilled it enough to, to get the fuck up. But um, the difference is, I mean, I was my jiu-jitsu is better for one thing, um, uh, but uh, the way he fell into it, you know, I, I need him in the face. That that switch knee really rocked him. Probably not as bad. Probably not even as bad as that head kick did that he took. But I I, I caught him with the flying knee and it rocked him. And then he came in and I I hit him with two uppercuts. And I, I mean I barely hit him. And I felt his legs buckle. And he just like lunged into that takedown and he ran in. I mean that's my money. That's my money choke. I mean that's that's my fifty G bonus choke. And he ran right into it and I locked it in. It was too deep and it was too late. And he wasn't. Now, could I have got that on a regular shot? Maybe not, but but he he wasn't clear. His head wasn't clear, and he just ran right into it. And I thought that's what he was going to do with um uh, with the rear naked that he was put in by by Akabar. But it's easier. Let's be realistic. It's easier to 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 defend uh, a rear naked choke in MMA when you can grab gloves than it is uh, or uh, uh, elbow deep guillotine that, that, that you know that the tall people do. So I think it was the type of submission that, that I went for, and the fact that. Uh, how deep I was able to get it so fast and how he just kind of lunged into it desperately trying to take me down is, is the difference. And, um, so I, I guess that's all, all I got. I mean, he, he took the head kick and, and he got his back taken and, uh, he was able to defend that enough. And I think maybe Akbar should have bailed him in the back and, and just try to come up on top and finish him from the mount. But I mean, you know, when you're in there, you, you know what you're, you know, you know what you're dealing with or whatever. You don't, you know, you just try to finish. Yep, so obviously your last fight was a 50K performance and first-round finish of Jake Matthews. You know, you had to deal with a couple of injuries, but I heard that you're feeling better now, so what's next for James Vick? Well, actually, it's a 30K, 34K performance with Australian taxes. Pretty depressing oh, there. 34K, and then I contacted a freaking CPA from over there in Australia, and then basically I'm just screwed and not getting my money back. But I'm I'm feeling good. I'm, I got released a couple of weeks ago to train 100. percent So I'm uh, uh I'm gonna train for another three or four weeks. I'm gonna see how my, my body feels. You know, get a good month, month and a half of training back in healthy, and um, then I'm gonna I'm gonna hit up Joe Silva and be like, I'm ready to go, and uh, hopefully he uh, he gets me a fight. You know, sometime uh, uh, end of February, maybe beginning of March. I think would be good. It'll, it'll give me time to train to be to be already in shape, and then still give me a two month camp. For sure. And I wrote down a list of four potential opponents that you could fight next. I want to name them for you, and I want you to tell me what you think. All right, James? Okay, let's do it. All right, so the four guys that I have in mind for James Vick to make his return against are James Krause, Alex Cowboy, Glayson Tebow, or Rashid Magomedov. Okay, well, I mean... 
first of all, I, I'll fight anybody. You know, I'm not I'm not afraid of anybody. I'll fight any man alive. Um, I, I would fight any of those guys. I mean, I, I don't necessarily would call them out because I, honestly, I would rather fight a higher ranked guy than any of those guys. Not saying not acting like my career is any farther along than theirs are, but. I mean, all of us, I'm sure they'd rather fight a higher ranked guy than me as well. You know, I mean, I'm sure you ask, you know, uh, uh, the Russian guy, you ask him, he's 4-0, I'm 4-0 in the UFC. I'm sure he'd rather fight a higher ranked guy than me as well. And the same thing with, you know, T-Bow, he, you know, he's been 35, 25 fights deep in the UFC. Why the hell would he want to fight me? I mean, like I said, I would fight any of those guys. Um, uh, I, I would definitely want to fight someone that's been on a, a couple fight winning streak. I'm not going to fight someone who, who, who's lost their last fight or two. But, um, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I mean, like I said, I'll fight anybody. Of course, who I want to fight, I want to fight Michael Chiesa. That's who I fucking want to fight. I mean, after whether they, they're not going to give me the next fight with him. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who they're going to mask me up with next, but whoever they do after I win that fight, I'm going to call him out. I'm going to call him out in the octagon, and hopefully maybe I can get it going. I mean, he thinks that his career's way ahead of mine because – He's had more fights and he's fought better competition. But like we talked about before, he he's fought better competition, but he hasn't beat better competition. Every time he stepped up to a higher level guy, he's got his ass kicked. The dudes he beat are the same level guys that I've beat. So really, his career ain't that far ahead of mine. But that's he's only ranked maybe a few spots above me, and he shouldn't be. But that's but that's who I want to fight. I mean, but that being said, I'll fight any of those guys. I mean, I'll I'll fight any of them. And in my mind, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna no matter what they say. Oh, this guy's a badass jiu-jitsu guy. This guy's a badass striker. This guy's a high level. In my mind, I'm gonna find a way to win. I'm a fucking winner. So yeah, I would fight any of those guys. And who do you have winning between Jim Miller and Michael Chiesa? I mean, Jim Miller is on the way. He's on the downslide. You know, he's getting older. He has some miles on him. Stylistically, Jim Miller has a good chance to win that fight. Um. Uh. uh because he's short enough, maybe Kiesa won't be able to get him down with the wrestling base he has. But then again, uh, who, who did Jim Miller fight his last fight that I saw? Danny Castillo. Yeah, cause did Castillo win that fight? It was a split decision for Miller, but a lot of people thought Castillo could have won it. Who did Jim Miller fight before that, before the Castillo? Benny Dariush. Yeah, okay, yeah, the C- Dariush did him dirty. And he, he beat him pretty handedly. And I don't think Kiesa's jiu-jitsu is as good as, as, as Dariush's is. But he does have a really good top game. Obviously, he's proved that he has. And I think that um, uh, if, if Kiesa gets him down, maybe he can just hold him down and, and eke out a decision. I don't think he's going to submit Jim Miller. But, maybe, I mean, but then again, you know, I mean, it, that, that's a close fight either way. I, I don't know who I would bet on. I mean, I, I probably bet on Jim Miller just because I, I don't want Kiesa to win. No, actually, I do want him to win because I want to fight him. But uh, I, it's a close fight. I really don't know. I really can't pick that one. Who, who do you have? It's tough to say, man. It's one of those fights where you got to see how they look on the weigh-ins because, you know, obviously I think Jim Miller has more skills to win. But like you mentioned, he's on that decline. And Michael Kiesa, you know, even though he's never been the prettiest guy to watch, he, you know, he's getting better every single fight. He's got the youth on his side, and he's probably really fucking hungry. So you, you got to favor Kiesa, but where I would set the line is even. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree. Yeah, man. So before we finish this up, I got to get some uh, Vicks picks. And uh, I got a couple fights that I need you to give some picks for, man. Let's do this. All right. Kelvin Gastelum versus Neil Magny. 
a Kelvin. Kelvin, I think stylistically, Neil Magny, he doesn't. He's a tough dude, and he's another guy that finds a way to win. But I think he's not going to. I think he's not going to be able to stop Kelvin's takedown. I think that he doesn't have power enough power in his hands to keep Kelvin off. Kelvin's going to press him. He's going to press him, and uh, you know it's Neil Magny's a mover. He's a, he's a more of a counter puncher. He's a, he has a little bit of progressing game, but he's a mover, and I don't think he has enough power. He stands a little straight up and down. He may get caught with a with a hard shot, and the only way he can win is a decision, I believe. Now, and I think you know Kelvin has multiple ways to win. So if I if I had to pick, I'm I'm going to pick Kelvin on that fight. I got South Paul stance everything. Yeah, I got Kelvin as well. You know, I got a lot of respect for Neil Magny, but obviously he's taking this on short notice. And, you know, Kelvin was initially supposed to fight Matt Brown. And, you know, Matt Brown is one of my favorite fighters. And the thing about him is that whenever someone's going to fight Matt Brown, they take that shit fucking seriously because they know they're in for a fight when they go up there against Matt Brown. You know, for example, Johnny Hendricks, right? He's got weight issues, you know, in all of his fights. When he fought Matt Brown... He made 170 on the dot, no issues, wasn't even the second attempt. He came in the best shape of his life. Now, Kelvin, he was posting pictures on Instagram. He's another dude who's had issues making weight, but he was going to fight Matt Brown. And, dude, he's posting pictures and he's shredded like it's no one's business. Because, like I said, when guys fight Matt Brown, they take it fucking seriously. But Matt Brown had to pull out. Neil Magny stepped up on short notice. Kelvin's already in great shape. So I agree with you. I think Kelvin's going to get the victory here. Yeah, yeah, Matt Brown's a bad motherfucker. He, he's a badass. He's definitely one of my top five favorite UFC fighters. He, he, he's a bad motherfucker. I, I would love to train with him sometime. And um, uh, Kelvin, one thing why he's looking so good right now weight-wise because he's working with my man George Lockhart. George Lockhart's the best nutritionist in MMA. I don't care what anybody says. He was a, he was a pro fighter. He had at least 15 pro fights, I believe. Um, he, he did nutrition for in the military. And Lockhart, man, Lockhart had me cut, I swear to you, one time I, I cut 25 pounds in five days. On Sunday night, I was, what was I? I was 181 pounds. And I weighed 156 by, by Friday. And I was freaking out. I called Lockhart. I, I, I'm fucking freaking out. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do, George? Please. I, I, I was like, please. Me and me, and, uh, it was when I fought in, in uh, I fought in, uh, I fought in Austin. Against Nick Hine. And um, uh, I uh, was scared to death. And then Frankie Edgar was working with him too. Frankie Edgar really doesn't need a nutritionist, I guess. But he, but he's a professional. He knows what the hell he's doing. Because Lockhart, not only does he help you cut the weight, his, the, 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 uh, the process of restoring your body back, um, he, he does really good with that. The, the stuff he has you eat, the, the, the shakes he makes you, you know, you drink and stuff. He's really good. And so Kelvin's going to have a, the best weight cut he's ever had because he has the best nutritionist around too. I mean, George Lockhart is the man. I mean, definitely, you know, I, I would recommend George Lockhart for any fighter in the world. That's for sure. Well, George Lockhart's from my hometown, ATL. So, I mean, you know, I, I know about George Lockhart a little bit. And if you ever come to Atlanta to visit him, make sure you give me a call, man. So, uh, next up, I got to know. Oh, boy. We, he was supposed to, I was trying to get him to come down here to Texas so we can go hunting. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a cool guy. I met him at the fights. At Legacy, actually. You were talking about Legacy earlier. They came to Atlanta, Georgia about a month ago. So, I, I saw George at the, at the fights there and... Uh, he seems like a pretty cool guy. So, I got to know, man, you're a former opponent, and you told me that Valmir Lazaro was the toughest fight you ever had in the UFC. 
And man, he's fighting this weekend against Michelle Prezeris, who's also a very tough guy. Who you got? Who's he fighting? This guy, Michelle Prezeris, he's, uh, he went the distance with Kevin Lee. He beat uh, Tai Sumov. He's a very tough Brazilian. Okay, I don't. What, 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 what is he a grappler? I'm not. I'm, I'm not familiar with him. Is he a grappler, striker? Yeah, he's a one of these guys that. Okay, he's kind of like short. He's about five nine, but he's super stocky, and he oh. uh, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt on the feet. He swings haymakers, but he looks to get you down in the ground and tap you out or control you. See, I guess by that announcement, I'm gonna pick uh, uh, Lazaro. Um, not saying that because I was a former opponent, but he's really hard to take down. Um, uh, he has a really good, you know, even though he stands with that, 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 that flat footed tie style, he's still, you know, he's really hard to take down. And, um, uh, I think that, you know, he, he's got a hell of a chin and I think, you know, he's going to be all right. I think, I think the dude, the dude, um, uh, the dude's not going to be able to take him down to submit him. I mean, I don't know the guy, maybe he can, but if I had to pick, I mean, on the analysis you gave me, I, I would still pick Lazaro. Yeah, and I'm going with Lazaro as well. I think he's actually very underrated, and people think people have this impression that he's like kind of sloppy. But the thing with him is that the guy fights with his heart, man. You know, you know, you fucking went three rounds with the guy. I mean, he's one of these Novo now badasses. Shots, man. I mean, I hit the dude with a jump knee, a head kick, like a hell of a right hand, a step through knee. I, I mean, he gave some too. I mean, I, I got cut up, and I mean, he he gave me some good shots too. But I couldn't believe he took all those shots. Yeah, and what, he's definitely gonna have a good career in the UFC. I really believe that. And you said you felt it when he checked your leg kick, huh? Oh, he broke my shin. I went and got an MRI, and it was—I mean, it was fucked up. I couldn't even kick for—I couldn't kick for basically two months. After the two months was up, I still had to kick bags with a pad with with the tie pad on and everything, all the way up and from the time I fought Nick Hine, which was three months from the date. I, I I never once kicked a bag or pads without a shin without a shin guard on. And I didn't even start kicking until the last month of that of that uh, of that camp. Holy shit, man! Yeah, he's he's tough, and I think he's gonna get the victory as well, man. So you know, another good matchup. And I was gonna say lightweight matchup, but it's actually at one seventy, and it's Benson Henderson versus George Masvidal. I don't know if it's Jorge or George, but one thing I do know is that Masvidal is one of the funnest guys to watch. You know, he's got he's got a lot of talent. He's got that that will to win, that fighting spirit. The only issue with George is that, you know, he'll be eating uh, Oreos during fight week because, I mean, the guy's been a fighter for so long that, you know, he doesn't really give a shit about, uh, it's funny, he misses weight for 155 pounds and then he makes, you know, his debut at 170 and he misses weight there too. But, I mean, the guy's a fighter in every sense of the word. I got a lot of respect for him. But, you know, Benson Henderson knows how to win these fights. You know, even if it looks like Benson Henderson's losing, sometimes he ends up winning anyways. You recall both fights with Frankie Edgar. Now, what's your opinion, man? Benson Henderson or George Masvidal? And it's a five-round fight, just so you know. All right, I'm going to go with the upset. I think is going to beat him. I mean, I, I, I've always had an eye on Masvidal, you know, him being in my weight class. Obviously, he's a tough fight for anybody. I mean, Masvidal, I mean, I thought he beat Iaquinta. I was there cage side. This is what people don't understand. Like, when you watch a fight on TV, it's completely different than when, it, when it's live. When it's live, you you hear the difference. You hear the, the crack of the punches. You can tell which fighter's affecting the other one. And I I, I thought Masvidal won that fight, even though I was my boy. You know, he's my, my boy. We live together in the Ultimate Fighter show. You know, that's my, my homeboy. But I, I thought that Masvidal won that fight. And Masvidal, I think people don't understand how good Masvidal's wrestling is. Masvidal can like talk about his boxing. Masvidal can wrestle, and I don't think Ben Henderson is going to be taking him down. 
it's going to be a stand-up fight. I don't think he's Maslow's really worried. I mean, I don't think Maslow's really worried about his leg kicking game either. Uh, it's going to be a good fight, but I mean, I, I think Maslow can pull it off. I mean, even even if they're even odds, I would still, you know, I, I would take the chance. I would take the chance. I think Maslow can upset him. Now, let me ask you this: Word on the street is that this is Benson's last fight on his contract. Now, you're a fighter. What kind of pressure does that add to, you know, to his upcoming fight? I guess it depends on where he thinks he's at in his career, you know. I'm uh if he thinks that he's never going to get a title shot again and he just wants to stay in the UFC and get big fights. I mean, in his mind maybe maybe he could be thinking, "Well, fuck this, I'm going to win and then I'm going to fucking let my contract run. I'm going to see what Bellator are paying cuz they're paying out the ass right now." You know, they're, they're paying, they're paying dudes good. Maybe he's thinking that, or maybe he's thinking, fuck that UFC is my home. And, um, uh, maybe he's thinking, fuck it, I'm gonna go fight in one FC and I'm going to get paid because I'm 30 something years old and it's going to take me five more wins to get back to a title fight. So fuck it. Maybe, maybe I'll go over there where, where in Asia where they love me. And maybe that's what he's thinking. You never know. So, um, uh, or maybe he's thinking, fuck this. I'm going to, I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to get a good contract and I'm going to build my way back up because I want to be a champion again in the UFC. I mean, you never know. I guess it all depends on what, 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 what his motives are and, and his plans are. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, there's a newcomer in your weight class that a lot of people have an issue with, and his name is Sage Northcutt. And I'll tell you what, man, I was impressed with his UFC debut, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm clamoring for him to get a title shot or anything like that. I just thought, hey, it was a good victory. You know, Johnny Case went in there with Francisco Trevino. He couldn't do that shit to him. So, I, you know, I got to give uh, Sage credit where credit's due. He's fighting Cody Fister next. You know, obviously he's a minus 1,200 uh, favorite. We both agree Sage Northcutt's going to win that fight, right? Fuck yeah. Dude, I'm not trying to be mean. I mean... I mean, fucking, someone's just got to call it how it is, man. I mean, they, 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 I mean, they're, they're fucking feeding this dude sheep, man. I mean, Cody Fister fought at 145 his last fight. Go look that up. I'm pretty sure. If not his last fight, two fights ago he did. He's fought at 145 in the UFC. The motherfucker's a small-ass fucking lightweight. He he fought uh, uh, my boy Vince Pichel in the house. Cody Fister's a very nice guy. Cool, goofy little kid. Cool, cool guy. But this dude's not no UFC caliber fighter. He's really not. And um, uh, uh, he's gonna get murdered. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna. He's gonna look, say he's gonna look like a superstar again because Frank Trevino ain't no good either. Let's be realistic; he ain't no good either. He's he's a slow, unathletic, flat-footed Muay Thai fighter. And um, uh, those are good. Not, I'm not saying that Sage isn't good because obviously he has a he has a very good skill set. He's well-rounded and everything. But he's fighting tomato cans. Let's be realistic. Now, if you fought Sage Northcutt, do you think you would finish him in the first round, or would it be a war? I mean, in my mind, I'm going to beat everyone. I, I, I don't. I mean, I'm not. I don't really usually predict a round or anything like that. But in my mind, I'm going to fucking. I'm going to win. I'm a winner. Yeah, of course, I'm going to win. For sure. And uh, we were talking about this guy earlier, Benil Dariush. He's one of my favorite lightweights to watch, and he's fighting Merbek Taisumov at Boston. Who do you think is going to win that one? You know what? That that's a that's an interesting fight. That's the that's the the dude from uh, uh, uh where's he from uh, Austria Tiger Muay Thai Tiger Muay Thai he's got a good little movement game and he's good he I don't know man I don't know uh, what's the odds on that already are, are, are there any odds what's your odds on that 
They haven't. Don't tell me who's going to win. Just give me the odds. Well, I guess that is that is who you're telling me you think's going to win. Then they, the odds haven't come out yet, but I'm pretty damn sure Dariush is going to be like minus two hundred, minus two fifty. Here's the thing, I, Dariush. You know, he is striking is not great, but he's a southpaw, so that always helps. When you're a southpaw, I mean, people have problems with southpaws. And a lot of these guys, if they were orthodox fighters, they'd be getting fucked up. But they're just fortunate enough to be southpaws. Naturally, that's that's how they do go on the feet. If he stands up, that dude that dude can strike. That dude can move his feet. That dude has been kickboxing for a long time. But Darius is probably the best, one of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the whole division. So um, with his credentials, I mean, he you know he was I mean he was up there. Um, uh, if I mean if I had to pick, I, 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 I'll take Darius. Yeah, and I think that Dariush's stand-up is really underrated, too. You know, obviously his last fight, even though a lot of people thought it was controversial, he still went toe-to-toe with uh, Michael Johnson for three rounds. And my comment on that fight is, go watch uh, Michael Johnson versus Edson Barbosa. A lot of people consider Edson Barbosa to potentially be the best striker at 155 pounds. And Michael Johnson just beat his ass standing for three straight rounds. He couldn't do that to Dariush. Yeah, style like styles make fights. People don't understand that. Just because this person can beat this person, it doesn't mean that person can beat that person. Um, first of all, they're both southpaws, um, uh, uh, Darius and Michael Johnson. So that played a guarantee. Michael Johnson ain't used to fighting southpaws. So that 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 right there plays a key. Uh, 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 Barbosa is an orthodox fighter, so that, that that he's probably more way more used to more comfortable to doing that. Um, uh, Dariush um, wouldn't engage as much. He was trying some good kicks and stuff, and um, uh, I thought he clearly lost the fight. I mean, let's be realistic. I thought Michael Johnson won, but um, uh, it, it styles make fights, and um, he did good. Uh, Dariush is obviously, um, uh, I mean, he has a great coach. You know, his coach is, is phenomenal. He has a phenomenal striking coach. He proved that. I mean, he's taken Rafael dos Anjos and Verdum, who are straight jiu-jitsu guys, pure BJJ guys, to turn them into world champions in MMA. So, I mean, the, the proof is there. You know, he has a great coach. So, I mean, with him training with a coach like that, and I'm assuming Darius is a very hard worker and, and trains very hard, he, he's going to keep progressing, of course. For sure. And we brought up Edson Barbosa, and Edson Barbosa's fighting Tony Ferguson. And, man, that is going to be a hell of a fight. Who you got, James? You know what? I got Barbosa. I'm not sold on Tony Ferguson. I'm, uh, I would love to fight him, to be honest with you. I think that'd be a great matchup for me to crack the top ten, to be honest with you. I'm uh, I- I'm not sold on him. Uh, he's a tough motherfucker. And his jiu-jitsu is, is phenomenal. I don't think his wrestling is good enough to take to take uh, uh, Barbosa down because Barbosa doesn't set his feet. And I think he's going to get his ass picked apart. Maybe he can land a hard shot. He does have heavy hands, but his, his striking isn't necessarily good. But he does have big, big power. So maybe he lands a solid right hand and and and, and draws Barbosa, who's you know had a suspect chin in the past. Um, uh, but I think Barbosa does the same thing to him that he did to Paul Felder. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna shoot more. Obviously, um, I think uh, Tony Ferguson is gonna attempt more takedowns, most likely if he's getting picked apart. But I think Barbosa just just beats him on a decision, just picks him apart and wins. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Tony Ferguson, he does like to walk you down. He likes to cut off that ring. And with Barbosa, he likes his distance. But man, if he throws that switch kick to the body, you're going to feel that for sure. So I'm very curious to see how that one plays out. Cut down. Uh, it's hard to cut people down in that ring if y'all had no people that move. It's hard. I mean, look how fucking big that ring is, man. It is The UFC octagon, is, it's like literally twice the size of most boxing fight, most boxing rings. 
Like people understand how hard it is to, to cut people off in there. When you have a dude, like I said, that's why these dudes are so successful. You know, uh, uh, Barbosa, I mean, he doesn't set his feet. And one thing about him that's different than a lot of people that don't set their, like Dominic Cruz doesn't set his feet. So it, it takes away a lot of his People are like, oh, he can't punch harder. If he stood in front of a motherfucker and swung, he probably could punch harder. But he don't set his feet. But Barboza is has such a good fast switch muscles, he can generate power even on the move. And that's rare for anybody. And, and so, that, I mean, I, I'd have to pick him for sure. That's a very interesting point you brought up. I actually didn't even think about that. And you mentioned uh, Paul Felder. And, you know, that's a kid that, and I say kid, but he's like 31. But, you know, that's a guy that I think has a lot of talent and a lot of potential. And did you see his fight with Ross Pearson, James? Yeah, he, uh, I watched it. He, uh, I, mean, I thought Ross won. Uh, he, uh, I think he, 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 he Paul Felder has a very good chin, and he just gets caught in that, oh, well, you're not hurting me, so you're not doing shit, but you're, but you're out landing, so you're winning, you know? That's, he gets caught in that, oh, well, that tie style, of, oh, well, you know, he's not getting hurt with those punches, and it may, maybe he's really not, but, he, but they're landing, and, and, he's, and they're moving out of the way and not getting hit back. And so he's losing. That's how he's losing on points. Yeah. If you had to give Paul Felder a piece of advice, what would it be? Because I mean, we both see the talent he has, but I was very surprised that he wasn't able to get it done in his last fight. You know, considering the two performances uh, prior to that. I mean, I think. I mean, maybe. Uh, well, honestly, you know what? Though this is here's another thing. I'm, Ross Pearson's a tough fight too. But I mean, I think he he. But then again, when you're 30, he's 31 years old. Of course, he's he's going to go this route of just trying to get to the top as fast as he possibly can. But I mean, he, I think he got thrown in over his head a little too early. He only won two fights in the UFC when 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 uh, uh, when they offered him to fight Barboza, who already has like 10, 15 fights in the UFC, or at least 10 fights, and fought high level guys. And then you know, Ross Pearson's been in the UFC forever, so maybe he fought too high of competition too early. I don't know. I mean. I guess, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert at that, but uh, I would say, you know, he, he needs to stop being willing to get hit so much. You know, he's, I guess he, he's so confident in his chin. He's like, well, fuck you, you know, and he just tries to walk through, but he's, he's getting beat to the punch and getting outpointed. Yeah. So that I would just say that he needs to, he needs to you know, tighten up his defense and, 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 and just try, try, try to limit the, the, the times he gets hit and, and then try, you know, if he's going to be a pressure fighter, cut people off. Like I said, that's hard to do when people move, but, you know, work on cutting people off and, and not getting hit so much coming in and, and maybe mixing in takedowns. I don't know how his ground game is. I hear it's good. Um, uh, maybe mixing some stuff up and, and seeing how that works for him. Yeah, definitely. I think he could be a player in that division. Just needs to make a couple slight adjustments. Now, another matchup in the lightweight division is Michael Johnson versus Nate Diaz. Now, on paper, a lot of people think Michael Johnson is just going to run through him. But the thing with Nate is that when he's on his game, he is very hard to beat, though. The only thing is, is he going to be on his game when he fights Michael Johnson? Man, Nate Diaz is going to get his ass whipped. I think Nate Diaz is going to lose. I'm... Uh... He's on a downslide, man. The dude, I'd love to fight him too. I mean, I think that you know, I would, I would love to fight him, uh, especially you know, and people, you know, I'm I'm four and zero in the UFC right now, and I haven't beat no big names, but give me one or two more fights, and I'll be, I'll be fighting top ten guys. You know, let me be six and zero in the UFC. I'll be, I'll be fighting top ten, dudes. and I would love to fight him too from a stylistic point. Um, uh, I think Michael Johnson is uh, the only way he wins is if 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 say Michael Johnson takes him down and, and gets caught in triangle or something. He's not going to outpoint Michael Johnson on the feet. Michael Johnson has very good angles. Nate Diaz's wrestling is not 
near good enough to take him down. Maybe in the he has a big reach on Michael Johnson, but the speed my, they, he is a slow. He, you know his reaction time is a little slow, and um, uh, I mean you you saw you saw the difference. Uh, uh, Michael Johnson might try to employ the leg kick game, but I mean he I don't think he even has to. I think he'll just beat beat Nate Diaz to the punch and, and outpoint him, or maybe catch him with something big. Um, uh, but definitely, I mean, Nate Diaz, even though he got knocked out, but you know, he's really only been knocked out by Josh Thompson. He's, he's does still have a really good chin, but he takes a lot of shots and I think he's just going to get outpointed and potentially maybe, you know, some cuts and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, at one point, Nate Diaz set a significant strike record on Donald Cerrone's face. But since then, you know, like you mentioned, he might be a little bit on the decline. Yeah, he's a little. Sounds a little punch drunk when he talks, but I don't know if that's the way he talks. If he's already like that, or he, or, or what? <laughs> but he just he he doesn't look like the same fighter he was three years ago for sure. Because three two or three years in in a fighting career is an eternity. People don't realize it, but that's it's a long time. Yeah, I mean it really is because you know I mean just one month is a long time because a month ago fucking a week ago we were saying that no one's gonna beat Ronda Rousey and she's gonna de- uh, retire undefeated and then that shit happens right for sure for sure yep yeah so now I-, I gotta know the final pick of Vic's picks is the lightweight title you know it's it's the belt that you're coming for Rafael dos Anjos is defending it against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Is uh, Rafael Dos Anjos going to defend it, or is Donald Cowboy Cerrone going to get the upset and become the new UFC lightweight champion? I think I think Dos Anjos is going to win again. I think he's going to win again. Um, uh, I think here's the problem with a low kicker. Cerrone's a low kicker. It's you saw this with Barbosa fighting Michael Johnson. It's hard to low kick a southpaw. They can check that shit. So if your right low kick is your power kick, they can right kick that. They can right. Now, Cerrone has shown in the past that he, he delivered that shit to the head on a southpaw like he did Jim Miller. But I think Dos Anjos' striking is obviously better than Jim Miller's. And it's hard, to, it's hard to land a bunch of low kicks on a southpaw. And Dos Anjos can wrestle. He can wrestle better than Cerrone. I mean, Cerrone's a good wrestler, too. I mean, he, he's very well-rounded. But um, uh, if... If Dos Anjos gets on top, he's not going to get submitted. He, I mean, he's been a black belt since he was 21 years old, and he's 30-something now. You know, He's not going to get – I think he's like – what, he's probably 28 or 30. And, and, and he's been a black belt for, for a long time now and started off as a jiu-jitsu guy. He, and he's, he has that compact frame that's really hard to submit people like that. They just know how to control position and stuff. And I think that at five rounds, he proved he can go five rounds – um, I mean, Cerrone can go five rounds, too, of course. He, he's never really had a problem with conditioning, but I, I, I'm picking Dos Anjos. And you mentioned how the leg kicks don't work as well against the southpaw. And, you know, that, that makes me uh, think about Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo. You know, McGregor is a southpaw, and Jose Aldo loves those leg kicks. But let's not go too in-depth on this fight because you're coming back on half the battle for that fight card. We're going to break down the entire card from start to yeah. finish. But, but real quick, just make a comment about uh, what I just said. Who I think should win? Who I think is going to win real quick? Or, or? About the uh, about the leg kicks not working that well against a southpaw. It's harder. It's, I mean, just from the stance, um, it's so easy to... The, the, if your right kick is your power kick, you're throwing it to the inside leg. 
of the southpaw. The in, it's going to be an inside kick instead of an outside. It's so easy to check. All they got to do is just turn their knee in, and, and they don't even they don't even really have to bring their knee up. They turn it in and lean lean in a little bit, and it's just it's so easy to check it, a, a southpaw's kick. I mean, a, a right-handed fighter's kick if you're in a southpaw stance, especially when you're a naturally a southpaw and you're used to fighting as a southpaw for multiple years. It's it's hard to check, you know. But at the same time, you know that the, the southpaw the advantage they have is their left body kick goes to your liver, and your right body kick goes to their ribs. The liver's not on that side, but it is open. They're, you're open for a left high kick if you're a, a right-handed fighter. They're open for a, a right high kick. It's just, you just, you just kind of have to mirror them. Like when I, when I fight southpaws, just for them, and they, they motherfucker comes to me with a hard body kick, I kick them right back with the same shit. Just you just you just want to um, mirror them, but I just think that I mean I think Dos Santos is is, is uh, Cerrone does really good when he pressures people, but I think Dos Santos is it has more of the aggressive style, so he's gonna pressure more. And I think that um, uh, I think he you know from that st- and the same thing. Well, I don't want to go into details with the McGregor and Aldo fight, but I mean I have, I have good predictions on that one as well for sure. And you know on the flip side. A southpaw is actually susceptible to the right hand from an orthodox fighter. Can you talk about that too? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, same thing. You know, you've seen Holly Holm, uh, Ronda Rousey, the, the the right hand. I mean, the, the straight left hand that Holly Holm delivered. Bam, at will. Now, I will say a lot of good southpaws tend to land that more than a right-handed fighter will throw will land the right hand because southpaw spar right-handed fighters all the time. You go to the gym, nine out of ten guys you spar. Are right-handed fighters. Every now and then you you have southpaws, so they're more used to fighting us than we are them. Now you have guys nowadays that switch. Like I've been switching quite a bit, you know, uh, uh, recently, you know, and been working on stuff, and and I'm definitely going to start switching more. Um, uh, but it, 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 the same thing, they're open for the straight right hand. I, I landed some goods uh, when I fought Nick Hine. You know, he caught me with the, with the overhand left and, and dropped me, and then I, the third round I hit him with a solid. Step off, right hand, right in his mouth, and knock his mouthpiece out and stunned him. Um, just whatever they're open for, you're open for, and vice versa. I mean, so people are like, oh, I mean, the only reason why it's an advantage a lot of times to be a southpaw just because you have more sparring partners are right-handed than you do southpaw. But everything that they're open for, you're open for. If, if they're they're kicking you on the inside leg, you kick them on the inside leg. They go to the body kick, you go to the body kick. Straight right hand, they're straight left hand. Uh, it's it's just you just have to know how to mirror them. And, you know, in the out, of course, obviously the the battle of the outside foot. You know, to land your your power shot right hand or their left hand, they want their foot on the outside. But um, you just have to learn how to mirror them. And if you're you know, it's always good to have a lot of southpaws to spar to get used to it. For sure. And one more thing before we get out of here. Will Ronda Rousey get back that belt? I do think she will. I'm not sure she's going to get it back from Holly Holm, though. But I think she'll get it back. Um, uh, honestly, I mean, as bad as, the, as bad as she looked on Saturday, if she gets Holly Holm down next fight, she can still win. She's that good at her, her move that she can still win. So, um, uh I think she's gonna win. I don't think she's gonna. I don't think she's gonna beat Holly Holm even in a rematch. I don't think she's gonna beat her. But who's to say? And the difference is, is Holly Holm's thirty four, Ronda's twenty eight. In two years, Ronda can still beat the majority of the division. Holly Holm may may maybe decide to retire or get beat by somebody. But one last thing, I do want. I want to see. I want to see Holly Holm fight Chris Cyborg because 
the difference between uh, Rhonda, I kind of lost respect for her a little bit when she said she would fight Gina Carano at a catch weight, but she wouldn't fight Cyborg at a catch weight. Guess what? I, I would bet. I would bet anything. And I don't even personally know the girl, but I bet anything. Holly Holm would fight Chris Cyborg at one forty because she ain't scared. She's uh, and I think Holly Holm would beat her because she's a counter puncher and Cyborg's a pressure fighter. I think she would just get stuck in her face. You know, I think Holly. I mean, obviously Cyborg is a way better striker with big power, but than Ronda is. But I think that you know Holly Holm would win. But I would love to see that fight as well. Yeah, man. I'm not really sure what to think about Holly Holm right now because, like we mentioned earlier on the show, the first two UFC performances she had were kind of, you know, underwhelming, but then she really rose to the occasion when she defeated Ronda Rousey. So from here on out, are we going to be seeing, you know, that championship-level fighter that knocked out Ronda Rousey, or are we going to see the, you know, kind of uninspired fighter we saw in her first two fights? Even if we see that uninspired fighter, I still don't think she's going to lose to any girls in the next year or so. Because, like, I think Misha Tate, I, Misha Tate, maybe she could get her down. But here's the thing. Like I said, I was noticing, you know, I, I got to thinking about it after I saw Ronda couldn't take her down. I was like, you know what? I remember watching her in Legacy, and, and, and you know, and I, I, she really has never been taken down by any of these girls. I mean, and, and Ronda's, you know, the best takedown girl. Now, you know, Misha Tate or Sarah McMahon, you know, they bring a different type of takedown. You know, they're, they're, they're level changing, you know, double legs and stuff like that. Maybe... But like I said, when you move your feet, it's hard to get a double leg on somebody who don't set their feet. Um, uh, and she does, you know, she was doing that long post John Jones does and those oblique kicks. I mean, she just had a, a full game. Um, I think when if, if you fight, if, if someone fights uh, Holly Holm and they pressure, you're going to see Holly Holm knock them out or, or, or fuck them up really bad. If they decide to wait back and stay on the outside, she's going to be boring and win a decision. I mean, I think that's the two things, just like Anderson. When people came at Anderson like Forrest Griffin, they got embarrassed. When people ran away like Damian Maya and Talos Latest, then he looked he, he looked like he didn't give a shit and just he's not a lead lead uh, lead taking fighter. He's a counter puncher. She's a counter puncher. So if you have someone who runs at her and runs up on her, she's gonna she's gonna piece them up. And if not, she's gonna just pick them apart and probably win a lackluster decision. So do you think the game plan to be Holly Holm would be maybe to, you know, make it a boring fight, push her up against that fence, you know, land some knees to the thighs, try to get that double leg, you know, try to grind it out, stall it out? Yeah, but I think you have to get her down to beat her because she moves her feet so well that she's not going to get stuck on that fence a lot unless unless later rounds, you're saying third, fourth round, she gasses and gets tired. But you're talking about a girl who's fought 12-round championship boxing fights who's moved the whole time like that. So I doubt that's going to be the case. But I mean, she is getting older, you know. So maybe she, maybe she's gonna slow down on that. But she has a big arsenal of strikes, not just hands. She, she, she throws, you know, she hit Ronda with a freaking sidekick to the mouth. I mean, she has a, a rounded game. So um, uh, I think it's gonna be hard to hold someone like that on the fence and and for for three or four rounds to gas them out and, and try to win like that. I mean, but that 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 would be a decent strategy. Or but you, I think you have to get her down to beat her. Yeah, and I agree with that, man. And, you know, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me about these fights. I really appreciate it. And just go ahead, man. You know, if you have a message for the fans or the UFC lightweight division, go ahead and let us know. Oh, I'm, uh, uh, well, I guess to my fans, you know, I, I've been injured. Uh, I had a little uh, minor hip surgery. Um, was out about four months. Been training again recently, trying to get back. You know, I want to be back. I want to be in shape when I go to camp. I'm not just going to jump into a camp to get it in shape. I want to be in shape when I get there. So, you know, I'm going to wait three or four weeks. I'm going to hit up Joe Silvan and say I want to fight. And um, uh, 
Um, I guess everybody in the division, you know, I mean, I'll fight anybody in the division. I'm not afraid of anybody, and I, I'm coming. You know, I'm gonna, I will be a world champion within the next two to three years. I, I'll bet my life on it. I will be a world champion. And, you know, people who don't believe me, I don't really give a fuck because I believe in myself, and the people that know me believe in me. So um, I guess that's all I got to say. You know, I'm excited about my future, and I love being a fucking fighter. This is my life. I, I love this shit. And um, if I if I won the lottery today and could pick any job in the world, I would use all that money to help me become a better fighter. I mean, this is I'm living my dream, and I'm, I'm I feel so blessed to be able to train. This is the first year that I've got to train. I've got to train full time. Um, uh, I actually went back to work a little bit when I had the surgery because I didn't want to blow all my money that I had saved because I'm very frugal with my money. But that bonus helped me change my life, even though I only got 34 grand of it from my uh, from taxes. It helped me change my life, and I, I, like all these other guys, I've been beating these guys, and they've been training full time, and I've been I've been working the job half the year full time, and um, I would go away and, and get my training camp in, but besides that, I, when I was home, I'd be working four or five days a week. Um, so I feel so blessed and so grateful to be where I'm at, and I promise everyone, uh, all my fans, that I, I, I'm progressing. And you're going to see – every time I get in there, you're going to see something different, and, and, and I'm going to keep getting better, and I, there ain't nobody outworking me. I'm the hardest worker, and I really believe in myself, and I believe I'm going to be a world champion. Well, you heard it here for, uh, first, folks, and holy shit, it sounds like we're going to get a very scary James Vick when he makes his UFC return. Now, for all the fans listening, you know, I want to thank you guys so much. You can find Half the Battle on SoundCloud slash Best Fight Picks. You find that Best Fight Picks channel on YouTube. And now, I'm very happy to announce I am finally on iTunes. It's been, it's been a long time coming, but now you can find all the Half the Battle episodes on iTunes. Go subscribe. Give Half the Battle a five-star review. And I really appreciate it. We will be back this week with more. You guys enjoy the fights, and stay safe out there.